0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Early Read Week 1 Review, Week 2 Preview with good friend of the show Nick at Mr. 618 Worldwide. Had a great time breaking down the official opening weekend of the college football season and then getting into what is an absolutely loaded card for Week 2. So great conversation with Nick. We talked a bunch of games. We gave it a bunch of bets. So really pumped for you guys to listen. Make sure you enjoy it. And then tune back in for Thursday's Best Bets solo pod. The Early Read is sponsored by Profit Exchange. Want to increase your betting bottom line by an easy 20%? Tired of paying the VIG to sportsbooks? Want the ability to request your own odds? I'm teaming up with my friends at Profit Exchange this college football season. Get the best odds in the world on all college football games every week by betting against your peers. Join the thousands of users who have traded over $100 million to date and start winning more and losing less on every single bet. Sign up for Profit Exchange today and get a no-sweat first bet up to $100 when you sign up with the code EARLYREAD. E-A-R-L-Y-R-E-E-D. Read. Available in the Apple and Google Play Store. Must be 21 and present in New Jersey. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Still standing after taking some body blows in week one. A vicious opening weekend, but we're still here. Week one review, week two preview of the early read is here. I'm, of course, your host, Reed Wallach. Overall, down on week one. But if you just listen to the pod, pretty good. Three in one week brings the year to date four to two, plus one point seven units. Um, some bad variants in week one, some really, really tough beats that we're gonna get into. Also, some shit was just flat out wrong, but that's why we do it, but um, especially shout out Clemson for an absolute disaster. But slow start, we the book some and we'll get it back moving on. Let's turn the page to week two. And to do that, we bring on good friend of the show, Nick, at Mr. 618 Worldwide. Good friend of the show, Nick, pumped to have you on, pumped to talk some ball. This like slate snuck up on me as like really, really loaded. There's like a handful of games that I want to get into. But first, how's it going, man? Thanks for coming on.
1: Man, doing great. Enjoying a fine Tuesday night in the flyover states Uh, Actually faded jury duty tomorrow, so I'm in a great mood
0: Oh, that sounds great, sounds absolutely excellent How was your week one overall after uh, months and months of anticipation?
1: Man, it was awesome Had some Florida State, had some Texas State, had some Texas State outright Good weekend Yeah, you did, yeah, you did the bobs uh so nick just to get just
0: to get the listeners kind of familiar with your background you know how did you get starting started in sports betting and kind of what's your background in the space
1: uh i have a math background you know played sports did a high school thing good high school athlete all that you know time eventually runs out you find something to be competitive in, and when you have a math background you turn to betting (laughs) first it was you know Poker or fantasy football, DFS, and then once you figure out what math can do, betting's a little more, it was just more fun. The problem solving, you know, it's fun. The challenge of the market being right.
0: Yeah, totally. So here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to introduce a few new segments. We got my guy and not my guy kind of ranting and praising some of the college football players who hooked us up this weekend and also screwed us over. This weekend um, and then the extra point we're going to call it kind of one thing we're taking away could be anything random. Just one final talking point before we close the page on week one and we break down some of the marquee matchups and also some of the games we've already bet in week number two. So I'm going to start because it was mainly a—I I have more negatives to say. So I want to start with the positives. Talk some good here and we'll start my first my guy. Uh, shout out Tyrone. Howl from ULM. I had to sit through this game following the South Florida, Western Kentucky, bad beat of the, uh, the year, the decade, the millennium, whatever it was. Um, right after that, I start watching ULM army kind of sulking my wounds and ULM pick six following play interception. And then ULM storms back in the final minute. And this kid, Hal had a filthy one-handed grab back corner of the end zone, puts ULM up. They win the game outright 10 point underdogs, Needed a win like that on a weekend, like last week. And so, shout out to my guy, Tyrone Hal Nick, anyone you want to shout out for last week? I have a feeling I know where you're going, though.
1: We are going to San Marcos, Texas (laughs) with Mr. TJ Finley and his seven big-time throws with his 14.3 ADOT en route to victory against the Baylor Bears.
0: That was, that was a good first. Like my guy, that was you, you came in, you brought the numbers, you were excited. That's, that's, what's all about TJ Finley, America's team, Texas state. Um, not my guy. It, it sucks. Cause had he got the job done for me, I'm pretty sure he would have been a first ballot. My guy last week, but Britton Brown, South Florida quarterback. Um, I mean just that fourth quarter was an absolute disaster after balling out in the first three quarters, uh, uh, interception at the five yard line against Western Kentucky, and then allows a strip sack with three minutes left down 10 as a 14 point underdog and lose the cover to Western Kentucky, then drives them down South Florida down the field inside the 10 with 10 seconds left and takes a sack. And that's that. So South Florida, that was brutal. I I really wouldn't wish that type of bad beat on my worst enemy, but um that's how it goes sometimes. But Britton Brown, you unfortunately make not my guy list because just don't fumble the ball, man. You're like 6'5", 230. got to hang on to the rock a little bit. Um, I honestly, I think Golish's up-tempo, frenetic pace really kind of ruined South Florida by the end of that game. I think that they were running on fumes and they just let go of the cover. But Britton Brown, hold on to the rock. My first not my guy. Nick, what? anyone you want to shout out uh, that... Not your guy for
1: last weekend. Uh, I was actually also going to shout out Byron Brown of South. Florida. Oh, Byron Brown. I'm sorry. Yeah, and they're uh, Kentucky. Brennan Brown. Maybe. I don't know.
0: I miss. I butchered the name, but Yugi going.
1: But our boy Byron and the Bulls had a 85% post-game win expectancy and did not cover 14, 14 and a half, 13. It does. Yeah, that was brutal.
0: Seventeen to seven, they led midway through the second quarter, and Western Kentucky was down their top, down Corley yeah, for majority of the Corley game. Corley didn't
1: and play like th- for he played like a quarter. Yeah, that was and crazy.
0: the number two receiver who was ball- I can't remember his name. Uh, he was balling out too. He left for a little bit, then came back in. Uh, yeah, that hurt, and they got a few stops in the fourth quarter too. The game really slowed down completely. Who who do you got? Not not your guy from last week.
1: Uh and Garrett Riley count for last night. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. A whole lot of sideways passing compared to uh what we saw last year. I Edwards.
0: I was I was promised explosive downfield passing from Clemson after they hired Garrett Riley. That was not the case whatsoever. <laughs> that was that was not what was going on. And there was also way too much uh Mafa on these runs, also, not enough Shipley.
1: Definitely agree with that. Just one thing to circle back to Western Kentucky. I thought when Jimmy Holiday came, this is a deep cut, man. But I thought when Jimmy Holiday transferred from Tennessee, that he was going to get a whole lot more run and one for five.
0: Yeah. Also, if we want to go back in the South Florida game, Brown can't throw the ball at all. He, Against Tulsa last year, he put up some numbers if I remember correctly. I know he ran a lot, and he's huge, so he's like a run-first quarterback. But they, he really can't put the ball down the field whatsoever, and I, that's probably going to hurt South Florida when they try to, you know, play this type of tempo week in and week out.
1: I'm hoping they just go with Bohannon once he's back, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I Brown high upside, but I was hoping he'd be like a little bit more of a threat in the passing game because he had. Two or three, like 30 plus yards. I know he took one to the house and he hit one deep ball in the first half, but I mean, overall, not this is off the top of my head, but not an efficient passing game whatsoever for USF.
1: Yeah, five yards and a little under five in an attempt on 34 dropbacks. Uh, yeah, it's not going to cut it. All
0: right, yeah. Ex- extra point time. Uh, Nick, anything that stood out to you? This could be big picture, a certain team, anything you want to mention before we move on to talking some week two.
1: How many more games do you think LSU is going to lose? That was... For, it felt like the loser of that game was automatically
0: getting asked that question, right? Like, it's like the loser of that one has questions performance depending. I mean...
1: Jaden Daniels still really can't get the ball downfield They couldn't run the ball either. Yeah, they still can't run the ball besides with the quarterback, so you're never going to see Nussmeier to maybe push that vertical game more because he's not going mean, to be able to do any Q runs.
0: I'm pulling up the schedule again. I know they play at Bama,
1: so I'll count that as a loss. They host A&M in the finale. I want to go through it.
0: Can they get one of
1: the three with the Rebels, Alabama, and A&M? Yeah, they'll get one of those. Yeah. Two might be they'll, pushing it. Mississippi maybe, but I'm kind of worried about their lines of scrimmage a little bit. Not a ton, like more on the edge. The defensive interior is sick, but I mean, the secondary got
0: abs- like I'm looking at the who on LSU schedule could really take the top off the secondary. There's not that many like they get Arkansas at home. I, I I think LSU did a pretty good job against the run just based off eye test. I, I think they did a pretty solid job against the run so they could maybe put Arkansas behind schedule, and make KJ into a thrower more than kind of lower his shoulder and try and make plays. Miss state that's on the road, but. Jury still out on the bulldogs. I, I would probably, I think LSU I don't know. Their schedule is really not that bad. I think LSU is going to lose two more games. Is that too optimistic?
1: No, that's probably correct. Honestly, nine I, and three, they probably lose two of the three between at Miss. App.
0: Besides that, though, who, if you had to pick one of the remaining SEC games, who's beating LSU?
1: I mean, earlier this summer, I bet a lot of Mississippi to win the West at 25-22-1. So, that would probably be my pick based on what we saw.
0: I was saying of the non-Ole Miss. Oh, of those 3 Yeah,
1: like of the other SEC teams, we
0: didn't, like, outside those three. It's kind of tough. Like, at Missouri. Maybe like Auburn. The-
1: Jury out on Auburn, in my opinion. Yeah, for me, that's more just the ceiling freeze, play a real mm-hmm. fast game. He's pretty good in the passing, you know, scheming it up. Him and Philip Montgomery both. I kind of yeah, think it- if they're going to lose, it's going to have to be something where it's you know a little, a few more possessions, more shootouty, a little more variance gets into the situation.
0: If it was, if it was last year, I'd say at Miss State for sure, but getting them. Week three, not I'm not sure. I I'm not sure LSU is losing at Miss State. I still I'm, I'm kind of down on Miss State, and I have their one total under. But yeah, I I think it's definitely fair to question LSU, especially man that secondary just got the top taken off of them. Like that, there were guys. If Johnny Wilson catches two more passes, that game was over in the first half, Rob. Especially the way LSU blew those uh goal to go red zone chances.
1: Yeah, they they had a lot of opportunities, got a lot of yards. You know, so correctable stuff with mistakes, but yeah, man, like anytime they're going to be tested vertically, it's scary. Like, yeah. And they're not really getting the edge rush. So they're going to have to get it all from the middle. It's uh, they're going to be prone to play some shootouts. So maybe, maybe just maybe this Nussmeyer hundred to one Heisman I have collecting dust. Uh, He'll get some playing time. We'll see. We'll see.
0: My extra point, big 10 West as a Wisconsin guy, myself wasn't impressed with really anyone in the big 10 West. Uh, my, my extra point was going to be on Illinois. Uh, I know we were discussing the game, but yeesh, that was a, that was a tough showing for the Illini, uh, in the opener at home against Toledo. I know Mac champ, but still Toledo has, um, struggled when kind of going up in weight and, um, Calito moved the ball pretty well on them, Average more than six yards per play. No TFLs or sacks for Illinois. Uh, Big Ten West is up for grabs, I think. Even Wisconsin, the defense looked a step slow. Mordecai, I think, has a pretty defined ceiling in my opinion, but offense looked pretty good. I think I, you know, solid first game. I think overall they ended up going back to their roots with uh, the run game. But Illinois was a team I saw a lot of people kind of really, really talking up going into the year, and I had questions. Offense looked fine with Luke Allmire, but the defense was really out of sorts. I saw a lot of, like, uncharacteristic penalties. Um, You know, Illinois was lucky to squeak that game out. And now they go at Kansas, short week. Uh, Jalen Daniels expected to play. Unique offense in Kansas, a lot of returning production. You know, going to be throwing a lot of different looks at them. I just wonder, can Illinois keep up? And even just looking back towards the Big Ten West, I think things are going to get weird. In that division, I have no idea what's going to who's going to come out of that one. I would still say Wisconsin due to schedule. But any you could tell me any team probably besides, I guess, Nebraska, because they lost, but also like Purdue, any team could really uh, surprise in that division.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I uh, am a little less optimistic on Minnesota than I was before uh, that rock fight that I saw against Nebraska well, we'll see how much of that is Nebraska you know this weekend if Minnesota's pass game get any better I mean if Cali at Manus could hit anybody on time they could score some points he throws the ball hard enough for sure <laughs> he yeah he get just, the he, ball just there. he just throws it very late <laughs> yeah
0: he just he happens to be like three yards behind the guy but he definitely get, he throws it for sure <laughs> um, yeah I don't know the Big Ten West well, yeah it's I, f- wide open why anyone could uh, really get into there, I, I think it would have been interesting if Nebraska held on. Really, that would send the odds, the sentiment all over. That division would be up in arms because, like Minnesota, you know, touchdown favorite in that game, expected to win. Now it's kind of ho hum and stuff like that. But all right, good little recap. We're testing that out. The my guy, not my guy, in the extra points. So good stuff there. Before we get into some of the more key matchups and games we already bet on this Tuesday night. Let me tell you about what my good friends over at profit exchange are doing introducing profit boost. My friends at profit exchange have created a way to make guaranteed money every day. Seriously had your favorite sports book boost with profit boost followed at profit boost on Twitter to be alerted there. Next time there is a free money opportunity. Join the growing community of betters who are on pace to make an extra $4,000 this year using profit boost alone. Sign up for Profit Exchange today and get a no sweat first bet up to $100 when you sign up with the code early read. That's E A R L Y R E E D, early read. Available in the Apple and Google Play Store. Must be 21+ and present in New Jersey. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so let's talk some week 2. I have a handful of games I want to talk about. I'm sure we have other opinions uh that we want to share based on the slate. So I have a I want to start, I guess, bigger games, and then we'll move down the card from there. Texas-Alabama, obviously the marquee matchup here. Rematch from last year's Thriller. Texas has Alabama on the ropes. Quinn Ewers gets hurt. Bryce Young leads him down the field, and Alabama escapes with an early season victory. Bryce Young isn't there anymore. Jalen Milrow, uh, wouldn't say it's a test, but he passed his first uh, game as the starting quarterback at Bama against Middle Tennessee texas i think kind of just going through the motions against rice um right now as we're recording we got line of shaded towards alabama seven round like minus 115 ish total has taken some money to the under 54 and a half nick any thoughts on this game um how you see this playing
1: out any key matchups you want to hit on (laughs) Yeah, I think the first matchup we should talk about is going to be the interior for Alabama's offensive line against the Texas front, which has drawn rave reviews all camp and is fairly deep in the middle, in my opinion. I really feel like there's a chance Texas is going to be able to get some good run stuffs, get some TFLs, get Alabama behind the chains in the obvious passing situations and maybe they can use the alien they have on their team, like Anthony Hill. Maybe, maybe he ends up on the field a little bit spying Milro. We'll see, but I really like Texas's chances to get off the field. Uh, if they can make some run stuffs, I mean, obviously, but I think they're going to, I should say.
0: Do you think this is a game where Milro like I, Is Saban married to Milrow, you think, or you think this is one where, let's say, like you said, like Texas kind of blowing up the run stuff, puts Alabama in a lot of passing downs. Is this one where Saban maybe makes like a halftime adjustment? Obviously, score dependent, but
1: do you think Milrow plays the full game, I guess? Honestly, yeah, because when you get on the message boards and everything, it really seems like there's been people that are comparing Ty Simpson to Cooper Bateman, so it sounds like he's more QB3 Mm -hmm. than like in a, one B or like close to it kind of seems like Buckner's kind of taking that spot as the backup. Uh But I kind of think we're going to see Milrow the whole game unless it's, you know, maybe already over and they have to or five widen it the whole time and maybe needing to be a little more accurate and dump, dump, get out of balance, play the catch up game. Yeah, but I, I think that I think they can have a little bit of success running the ball, but I think it's probably going to take a little creativity, maybe getting Milrow out some QB counters, QB sweeps.
0: Yeah. I, I find myself this game kind of screams like an under game to me. I'm still, I'm still not sold on Texas. uh, The town uh, I'm not sold on Quinn Ewers. I still have my fair share of concerns. This was a team outside the top 100 explosive pass rate last year, Texas. And I know Ewers didn't play the whole season, but he still played a majority and that's baked into the number. Um, You look at last week against Rice, not not a t- – and listen, they were like 35-point favorites. I'm not saying like they were going to lose or the game was in peril or anything, but you would have thought that Texas wanted to get off to a hot start, try and run them off the field and really kind of push this out of range, and then you're off for the second half. Not really the case. I mean, you go back and look at this game as I like, pull up the game on paper stuff, but I thought Texas just a little too lax days ago, and I – for someone that has questions about Quinn Ewers, this game didn't really ease my concerns. Rice was able to I'll pull it up, get into the backfield. I want to put the exact number as my computer lags. I mean, nine havoc plays created eight tackles for loss. Um, I know Ewers didn't play the entire game, but I just would have thought that, you know, Texas would have tried to get off to a hotter start in this game. So, I think this is under – I know Alabama has some injuries in the secondary that are worth monitoring. Um, like yeah, Jalen Key and, and, Jaylen, Jay-Jaylen and Jay-Jaylen Nilen,
1: Malachi Moore, yeah. The Malachi Moore, if he doesn't go, that's going to be uh, – Earl Little could end up being hunted by Texas a lot in the past for sure. I I think that Alabama, they know that they can't get
0: into a shootout they really need to limit the explosives against Texas – And they want to make this a run first game, even if, like you said, they're going to run into some issues trying to, you know, make this into a ground and pound game. But this game just screams under to me because I don't know if I trust yours to really hit the downfield passes to push this game out of reach. I will say if, like, if this game goes over, that's probably Texas. Like, that means Texas is probably going to win. Like, that, you know, they're going to outperform their plus seven spread and whatever their money line is, plus 240 or whatever. Um, Definitely. But if it's under, That means Saban's probably getting what he wants, at least from a game script uh, perspective.
1: Yeah, I think even if Alabama has some issues running the ball, I mean, they've said all offseason they're trying to, you know, break people, establish it. I mean, anyone that's played the sport, you know, it's going to, you got to take time to build and run the ball you don't wear a team down in a quarter. So I would think that we're probably in a really good game state for the under because it's not like Texas is a super frantic team either. And you know what we've seen with the clock rules because, you know, everyone loves the clock rules. (laughs) That's a situation where you might see this is the first – the last big game we had was a blowout essentially with Florida State and LSU once we got to the second half. Mm. This might be the first time where we see a team really trying to bleed it out if they're up late. Interesting. Yeah. I think we, I think this might be one of the first times where we get to see a little more of the how fast the game can go in some like second half bleeded out ball control and action. And I
0: could, And this sounds dumb, but like I could see Saban being the one to lead. Like if, if Alabama's up, I could see him saying, all right, we're going to go on like a seven minute death march here and try and yeah, really like take yeah, the life exactly. out of Texas. Like I don't know if Sarkeesian's that type of coach that would say that if they're ahead, but Saban to me is like, all right, we're going to, we're squeezing the life out of this one. Like we're going to get yeah. four downs, take five minutes, six minutes off the clock, and this game's over.
1: Yeah. I think we could, we'll we see a lot of ball control from Alabama, even in a neutral game state. I completely agree. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, through the key number 55, I took some, uh you know, of that. Now 54 and a half, I still lean towards it, but obviously you know, not as good. But, yeah, I mean, I think this is
1: – a super interesting game, obviously. I think the 7.5 at Chris is still pretty good, but that's just me.
0: Enough said. Let's talk yeah. some SMU-Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma, obviously, absolutely beats the living shit out of Arkansas State. It made Butch Jones cry on the uh, sidelines. Um, so now 16.5 against SMU? I think that's a little a little generous. I think it's a little too quick to co- anoint Oklahoma back. I know they you know there's a chance Arkansas State is the worst team in the FBS them. Maybe it's FIU, but like they're right there at the bottom. So I just I don't know if I agree with the market kind of jumping back in on Oklahoma. It's still a team that was bottom half of the country last year in success rate. Um uh, I'm just not sure if I'm running to back this team to win by double digits in a game with a total of What do we got here? 68 and a half. I just I think SMU with Preston Stone, who looked apart against Louisiana Tech. I know that game kind of died because the score got so lopsided. Uh, Louisiana Tech really looks worse for wear so far this year. But Stone uh, 0.27 EPA per drop back. That was 75th percentile. If you compare it across last year's games, the defense, which we were hoping for an improvement, uh, cause a ton of havoc 95th percentile uh, relative to last year in terms of havoc rate. I know Oklahoma was a serious step up in that, but I just think SMU with this much of a total, I think Preston stone could hum hit a few chunk plays and or hit enough chunk plays in this one to really keep this game close. And I getting over two touchdowns. Uh, I love me the Stings, uh this weekend. This is one of my favorite plays on the board. I misread it. I played 14, went up to, you know, 16, I know 17, 17 and a half. But, um, so I, played it back because I just – I think, you know, over two scores, this is a SMU play.
1: Yeah, I uh, played some SMU as well on some 17. And I played a little 540 on the money line too. I feel like there's a little bit of variance in this game. I think – 100%. I think there's honestly a chance SMU probably has the better coach and quarterback potentially. Possible.
0: I I, yeah. I I'm not a, I'm not the biggest Lashley fan, but that being said, I am a big Preston Stone fan. So, again, it, it, this is a game with a high total. So, I don't think it, I, where's Oklahoma getting stops on SMU. I mean, it's it's a tough data point to really extrapolate that much because it's Louisiana Tech and Louisiana Tech looks uh, really fucking bad. But uh, Stone, he had a lot of. Believers I can't believe I bet them in
1: win Conference USA.
0: Yeah, that's. That's that's a loser. That's, that's yeah. That's <laughs> that's not going to get
1: home. Two games in and it's over. Yeah. The
0: the Hank Bachmeyer revenge tour has not gone off to a good start there. But Oklahoma last year, they I mean they were double digit favorites. I know you're comparing last year this year, and even when Gabriel played, he was really really efficient. But they struggled a lot as a big favorite. I remember the Kansas State game, couldn't get a stop. Um, Kansas State obviously went on to win the Big 12 and everything, but you know, throughout the year last year, Oklahoma continued to fall flat on its face because it couldn't get enough stops. Like look at TCU and another an explosive offense really just blew the brakes off. And then Gabriel gets hurt, but they're already down two scores if I remember correctly. So I think SMU, two t- Like you're counting on Oklahoma to salt this game away, and you know, let's say they are up 17-20,
1: that back door is not going to be wide open for Stone to go right down the field and score. I don't know. I just think, man, those boosters need that cover. They're not taking any money from the ACC for what? Seven years.
0: Yeah. I I think (laughs) SMU over two touchdowns. I just think that's not, I think this should be like 11, like definitely inside two touchdowns.
1: Yeah. I'm around 11 there.
0: Yeah. I just, I I think that's kind of nuts. And you know, it, I, I agree with you on the money line. Like if you, I just I don't think the difference is this great. I why is all of a sudden Oklahoma? I know the win total is high because their schedule is so easy, but this is a team that's right like for like that unproven, you know, big favorite against SMU, who everyone was loving in the preseason as like an AAC darling. Uh, we'll see. Um, let's keep it moving though. Oregon, Texas Tech. Texas Tech, obviously. Um, I was talking about it all summer. Easily the weirdest travel spot of Week One. I didn't, mean, I honestly, I didn't think they were actually going to lose to Wyoming, but uh, you know, rain delay, they blow a seventeen-point lead, end up losing in double overtime. Look-ahead line was like Oregon three and a half, four. Now Oregon's out to six and a half, seven. They score a bajillion points against uh, an FCS foe. Bo Nix. Um, I saw someone tweet like he literally wasn't touched the entire game uh, while he played. We know what Oregon's going to do. Texas Tech, I know it's at Wyoming, and they lost, and it's bad. And I am I was the anti-Texas Tech person. But the offense still put up a lot of points. I mean, you know, a few poor, uh, bad variance plays, missed field goals. You know, a few things went against them. But Tyler Shuck actually made a few plays, <clears throat> completed 33 of 47 passes. Uh, Wyoming was really stout against the run. But Shock made a few uh, really big plays. Uh, he had a really nice corner uh, throw to the end zone. Nick, now that we are at week two and Oregon's now laying six and a half, seven on the road, I know we were both Oregon believers. Are you still on the duck side or do you now think that maybe this is a bit of an overreaction? We now need to shift back to, <laughs> let's you know, Texas Tech still, they're not terrible. They're still, you know, a mid to high level big 12 team. They could keep up with Oregon here.
1: Uh, it's the current number, just a small lean on Oregon. Not enough uh edge on the number to fire, but uh, definitely lean that way. Not really big on the Texas Tech hype train as much as everybody else. I like what they're doing, but it's still, you know, it's a process, and they're trying to, you know, jump the step. You know all the cliches you get in the media. lose yeah. Lose big, lose small, win small, win big. They're trying to skip the win small step. So uh, kind of uh, faulty or unrealistic expectations, I feel like, really. And, you know, the trendy dark horse never works in betting ever. So yeah, I, I mean, can fully I expect them it. to lose to Iowa State with all those guys out this year or Houston or BYU or something.
0: Yeah, I mean, once I saw uh, someone on ESPN did like Texas Tech as the dark horse college football playoff team at Big 12 Media Day, I was like, okay, there's that. that's enough for uh, – that's the under seven and a half for sure because yeah. uh this is a team I and mean, they went for it more than any other team in the country last year it worked out for them they won a lot of one score games my only concern with Oregon laying now like close to a touchdown I, it's six and a half painted uh, shaded towards Oregon I just I'm still curious if the defensive line could really turn it around from last year uh they feasted on turnovers they were 23rd and turnovers gained But bottom 10 tackles for loss across the entire country, outside top 100 in success rate. Maybe it's an over. Maybe that's the way to play it. You know, if you think, like, Oregon's a little overbought, but you think Oregon's still going to put up their points. I think Texas Tech could score in this game. I just don't know if it's enough to win the game outright. I do think, though, this is a little too rich now. You know, six and a half. If it was three and a half, I'd be like, okay, we're in on Oregon. But I think now Texas Tech, especially with the way they play, the hyper-aggressive way, uh, this screams like they could – lose by, you know, inside. They could lose by seven or less.
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely a possibility. Uh, I mean, there's going to be a ton of possessions in this game at the pace that both these teams play with. Mm -hmm. Between Zach Kittley and Will Stein, we're getting in the deep cuts of Texas football. And uh, I mean, dude, we're probably going to see double digit possessions for each team easy.
0: Total 66 and a half with two like... Mobile quarterbacks,
1: yeah, that's a touch low for me. I haven't uh fired yet. Was uh getting into some other stuff, felt like this one might hang out for a little bit, or we might get some two way on it and then not move very far. Did you see what Oregon did to Portland State?
0: I just saw the box score. Did I I look at game on
1: paper or anything?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's floor, it's as green as their jerseys.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. 11% Eleven percent explosive play rate. This like nothing like a good scrimmage.
0: <laughs> Average ten yards of drop back. I yeah, mean, nah. like what, it's like a seven on seven tournament they are playing. I mean, I I don't see any reason why Oregon, especially if you're saying double digit possessions, they're not scoring what forty two. Yeah, That'd I be, think you, I, guess, I think
1: you need Oregon to get into the. 40s to feel like really confident about this going over.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, with that, now Now we're talking the pace. Uh, I might have to fire on the over. Well, we'll see. Well, I'm going to mull on that one. Like you said, maybe some two way action. I see 66 and a half. 67 seems to be the more. Yeah. has yeah, got 66 and a half. 66 and a half. 67. I, what did it open at? It opened at 64 and a half. Yeah, that was way good through 65. uh but anyway 65 let, would have been awesome let's let's talk about some of our uh our darlings Ohio and FAU meet in uh the G5 mega Bowl of the season so far um Kurdish work head coach Tim alvin said the plan was for him to play this week we, we'll see uh if that actually comes to fruition uh didn't play last week against LiU not cj harris did not look good again fau meanwhile transfer city the boca boys shout out hijinks and boca they look great against monmouth uh casey thompson texas transfer then nebraska transfer he looked great 20 of 25 280 yards five touchdowns this was a game from last year ohio create one a crazy one 38 fau favored here current price looking like Ohio's taking some money since we pretty much started, but you know, FAU favored in like the four to five range total of 61 and a half. Looks like some people think that Curtis Rourke is going to be playing. Nick, how do you handicap this one? I I was very high on FAU heading into the season. I think I was kind of selling the hype on Ohio. I do agree that they're still, you know, one of the better Mac teams. I just think that price dependence kind of out on them. So I lean towards the FAU side. I haven't played anything in this game, but I think, and you got to watch this one if you're a true college football. just give it like the names and the teams on the field.
1: This is like the filet mignon of uh the G5 Sickos or whatever that account's called. This is one of the uh <laughs> this is one of the top shelf ones. I uh, I played over 58, 59 and 59 and a half. So uh I still think the 16 and a half you can get on bet online at uh, 847 Central right now, still pretty good. <laughs> He's gonna I think there's gonna I, be a I, lot of passing in this one. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean Casey Thompson he had a seventy two yard touchdown, I believe it was seventy two. Uh Ohio's defense looked pretty solid against San Diego State, but this is obviously a significant jump in class. I mean, FAU's
1: offense. San Diego State's yeah. offense might be like bottom fifteen, though. Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They I well, I've seen them almost lose to Idaho State over the weekend.
0: Yeah, UCLA is going to absolutely demolish San Diego State. I laid
1: some 13 there too.
0: Yeah, San Diego State is going to – it's a tough year. The Mountain West is going to be pretty brutal this year. But um, Ohio, their secondary wasn't tested in that game. The defensive line looked pretty solid, but they weren't tested through the air. And I think Casey Thompson could really make some plays there and make uh, Ohio's secondary really tested. Because, again, you look at Ohio – the defensive numbers weren't that great last year, and they played in a ma- – like I think some of their numbers could have been worse if you go back and look at who they played. They haven't really faced a team like FAU that has some of the weapons on the outside. And again, when they played last year, it was 41-38, and I gave FAU a pretty meaningful boost heading into the season. And the early return, obviously it's Mammoth, but the early return is that this team is going to be high-flying and really making plays. So um I agree with your overcall. I mean, if Rourke plays, are you looking – at ohio potentially or is this like you're kind of only it's fau or nothing here
1: uh if Rourke plays it would kind of depend on where we got to like fau three if somehow it got to there maybe i'm in but uh at five four and a half it's probably a, just right out the over bit for me
0: yeah i, I was gonna say like if fau touched three because like Rourke gets in and kind of like runs a little bit i'd I take FAU meister I just think that I think they're a better team at home. Helps that they like lost last year too, kind of get them in their favor. They'll be kind of sure that like you know bulletin board material bullshit that would probably uh, sit right with them. Um, but yeah, no, this game should be absolutely unbelievable. It's like in a loaded game like Texas Alabama Ohio FAU. I'm hoping Rourke plays because it will be a great game either way.
1: Yeah, if Rourke plays, that it might have to get its own screen. Rourke yeah, and Casey Thompson. Um I'll UTSA Texas State.
0: I made sure to put uh that I want to bring it up because, like you said, America's team, something special happening in San Marcos. Um is the GJ kenny show riding on. UTSA didn't didn't look so hot against Houston, Frank Harris, three interceptions, like 50% completion percentage. Um, but there's been some aggressive moves in like all sorts of directions on this game. Currently, we're sitting at UTSA. 12 and a half 13 total got smoked today
1: it's up to 65 and a half um yeah that was a good move i'm pretty sure decorian clark is gonna go for uh utsa
0: yeah i this wasn't a game that got too much of attention the utsa houston game i kind of had it on the background and was like more like box score watching and seemed like anytime utsa would get any sort of momentum it would just be turnover you know sack
1: something like that In houston would just kind of stymie them i utsa had like a super high post game for yeah that one yeah and the, the offense 80s. really could what they
0: 14 14 points i believe they scored i think they lost 17 14 um yeah. i wonder can utsa establish the run enough to kind of put texas state behind its heels That's kind of the question to me. I mean, Baylor couldn't run the ball for shit, and then obviously Shaping gets hurt, and it really goes off the rails for Baylor. I mean, Texas State was fully the better team. It's just a matter of can they do it again now, second week in a row, on the road, UTSA, veteran team. I think UTSA probably, or Texas State's now on UTSA's radar. I probably agree with the over because I think Texas State, like I think Texas State probably played towards their like ceiling on defense, and they still up 31 points. And UTSA's offense is probably better than Baylor's.
1: Yeah, I uh, definitely agree with the over move through 65. I think that there is, though, a chance. Texas State's defensive front seven has some bodies on it. They have some – I mean, they looked like a power five front seven, like not a high-quality one, but they looked a lot larger than the normal G5 team up front. It was – I was honestly impressed. They look great. I, uh, they they yeah. look unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the defense. Like I knew the offense was gonna cook, but I was pretty impressed with the defense, uh, relatively speaking, for uh, you know, being in a shootout.
0: Yeah, I think especially if if UTSA falls behind, Frank Harris is really gonna push the issue here, really try to make plays, especially with his legs. I see like full air out and maybe testing at Texas State secondary over probably probably to look do you you any more uh Texas State money line for the culture uh
1: a little bit of math a little bit of for the culture uh but more so uh, I make this one nine and I'm getting 13. so we are on the Bobs again and hoping that GJ Kenny can beat his high school football coach Jeff trailer
0: yeah, that's I, I saw. Uh, I think that was the cover three guys who said that when I was listening to. It. I think Bud Elliott might have said that. That uh, Jeff Trailer, GJ
1: Kinney's head uh, high school
0: football coach. That's epic. That's great. yeah. That's, uh, who who gets the, the whole story. Which-
1: crazy. Have you heard the whole thing? So no, his I dad know that. was his high school coach originally, and then another player's parent shot his dad. What? Yeah, and then he came back, coached the next year. And they beat Trailer in high school football, and then his dad got the Baylor job, and then he went and played for Jeff Trailer.
0: That's it's a wild story.
1: Yeah, it's super random. He was just on Andy Staples, like in two that, hours. Uh, ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> that that's an insane story. But only reason I, I knew I, that <laughs> I only knew that because I listened
0: to Cover Three. So shout out to those guys. But no, I think that's a. I mean, Texas State's getting a lot of national pubs, so this game should uh, warrant some attention for sure. And I mean, with a high total, also it should be a super exciting game. It seems like that's going to be the Texas State way this entire year. So I,
1: I, I think every game they play is probably going to land sixty-five or higher with the total points scored. It's, yeah, uh, and again, fun to
0: watch. yeah, uh, and what was it, eighty to one to win the Sun Belt? Already down to ten to one.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Like, honestly, if you look at them kind of like what Georgia Southern did last I, year. I, I'm,
0: I'm a Georgia Southern uh, backer this year. So, like, I I feel I like they're doing the
1: same thing, but with yeah.
0: better talent. Better coach probably, too. Oh, yeah. Or I should say offensive play caller. Yeah. Probably better coach anyway. But, uh, yeah, no, I think th- that win shows the ceiling enough that they are in the Sun Belt conversation. They're not, like, a long shot. Maybe 10, oh, yeah, because like they
1: could be playing Troy and that be the game for the Sun Belt West. And Gunnar Watson goes six for 19 for yep. 71 yards, and they just boat race them. Like,
0: and also, I mean, South Alabama just had the absolute top taken off of them by a uh, Tulane and a uh, Michael Pratt. What do you got like 14 for 15 for like 18 yards of pop? So, uh, South Alabama secondary has a few questions also and that's uh Texas state would be happy to uh, challenge them. So yeah, that's a be- segue
1: because <laughs> I was wanting to ask you about if you did anything with three, four, nine Mississippi Tulane.
0: So uh, a certain domestic sports book opened Ole Miss minus three and a half and the idiot I am, I got more interested in other things on the screen and I didn't absolutely fire that because I, I, I watched three quarters of the two-lane game, and I was like, okay, they look great. I think South Alabama got negative game script, and they were kind of flailing. A lot of really inopportune turnovers. But and I didn't Banks fire on three.
1: getting hurt. Uh, yeah, didn't help either. He's probably gonna, He's probably like a top hundred pick in the NFL. It sounds like.
0: But so I didn't fire on three and a half like an idiot. Uh, still, it's only week two. I gotta you know get my muscles going a little bit faster. Um, I was hoping I initially wrote down because I didn't think the, I saw like Tulane seven and a half against Ole Miss. I was hoping Tulane would lose to South Alabama and I get a nice fat number on Tulane. Now it's sitting at seven. I it's Tulane or nothing for me. Like I'm not real. I know people obviously played like three and a half, four and a half. I agree with that because I think Ole Miss is the far better team, but you're talking seven now. I don't know. Tulane Pratt. Looks like he may have taken another step. What's the, uh, Jaquan Jackson is his name I don't know the burner he had two he had one just filthy route just a post route he absolutely cooked the South Alabama defender and I don't know if I trust Jackson Dart as much and this two lane defense with Shield Wood looks like it's further ahead of schedule than I expected I don't know if Tulane's gonna win the game but at seven or more I kind of lean towards the two lane side but I haven't bet it yet what, what are you thinking?
1: Uh, I took some over 61 and 61 and a half. uh, It's 65. (laughs) Yeah, I would play 65. That's the last number I would play. That's that's about as far as it could run for me. Yeah, I definitely agree with whoever smoked that today.
0: Yeah, I just think... It doesn't look like Zachary Franklin's going to play. I mean, Ole Miss has plenty of receivers, so that's not necessarily yeah, the biggest Yeah, Harris
1: from La Tech should be able to uh, make some plays downfield. Man, they're going to be awesome once Franklin is yeah. uh, good to go. Hopefully he's they, good to go by their Ole Miss game – or their LSU game in a couple of weeks.
0: I just – I more question – I think Tulane – I don't know. I just – I feel like this offense with Pratt, that was – I didn't expect to see what I saw against South Alabama because – Pratt was hitting guys deep uh, the run game. They only averaged three yards of carry three, three, five, but watching the game, this is more of like an eye test thing, but they were ahead of schedule the entire game, third and shorts, fourth and shorts. And, you know, it seemed like Tulane really didn't see much of resistance. Now you're playing an sec defense, but I feel like Tulane I'm over. So I guess I'm kind of speaking to your liking, but I think Tulane's able to hit explosive in this game also. And it becomes kind of a, a back and forth type. And over a touchdown kiffin on the road i'm just i'm not sure i'm rushing to get there at this number three and a half is different than seven
1: yeah i would have played six i missed it a, bit and a bunch of totals and a bunch of stinky dogs that are probably not gonna do anything good but yeah seven just like a small lean not enough edge to fire but uh Definitely think that one this one can be played in the seventies for sure. I think there yeah. is gonna be plenty of downfield passing and plenty of plays. Oh, absolutely.
0: And um Tulane whipped out uh, a really nice trick play against South Alabama. I wouldn't be surprised if Tulane has another one cooked up for this game. You know, Willie Fritz, I feel like always big spot comes at he has one double pass, you know, double reverse, this or that. Could see a uh, Tulane maybe hitting old miss catch him sleeping with a downfield pass like that for sure. Um few other games I want to hit on that. I fired and Nick if you want to chime in if you want to yeah, for sure. add any of your games this we go a little bit faster just cuz these are kind of these are a little more down the board. Um Eastern Michigan Minnesota, I played Eastern Michigan plus 20 and a half. Chris Creighton. Cash cow is a dog. Uh, he's 44, 28 and one against the number as an underdog. We spoke about Minnesota earlier. Did not like what I saw from Minnesota. they absolutely should have lost to Nebraska. They got relieved with a Jeff Sims interception in the end zone. A Jeff Sims interception with about a minute or so left. That set up the game winning field goal. Minnesota not playing super fast. Anyway, Eastern Michigan has arguably one of the best defensive backs in the Mac. um, in, um what's his name uh kempton shine i think eastern michigan definitely able to keep this within three touchdowns did not i don't think minnesota is built to really blow teams out at this stage with calicemanis um yeah eastern michigan's offense also was super potent for max standards last year top 40 in the country in success rate i think that um this could be you know a workman like minnesota win where it's you know they win by two touchdowns and they kind of just walk away and they get ready for UNC next week. Uh, Nick, any thoughts there on EMU plus 20 and a half? I, I, I don't think it's going to get the 21. I saw it for a second, go to 21 today. And then it got immediately bet. So I was like, all right, it seems like that's kind of the, like no point I'm waiting. Am I might as well uh, just fire. Any thoughts there? Uh,
1: no action for me, but I definitely agree with you. Uh, Chris Creighton is a awesome dog. And PJ Fleck is uh, really bad as a large favorite.
0: Yeah, so there was one, um, I mean, you more Minnesota stats, 3.4 yards per play, third percentile explosive play rate. If the team's not hitting, and I, I know they're playing a Big Ten defense in Nebraska, but if the team's not able to really connect on downfield passes and they're a snail anyway, I'm not sure they're covering three touchdowns against uh, upper echelon Mac, uh, Mac team.
1: Yeah, for sure. I was just having this conversation with someone uh, yesterday, actually, during the Clemson stuff, watching them. It's the same thing when you're just dependent on, you know, successful, stringing successful plays together for, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 play drives. You just leave yourself open to so much more variance and run bad than being able to do anything explosive and generate, you know, EPA in chunks. And I, I think as the year goes on with Minnesota, you could
0: see them really coming to their own. Like we said, Cali has a big arm. I mean, I like uh, Spencer, what was it Croom? Uh, I like those guys. Daniel Jackson, yeah.
1: Elijah Spencer yeah. didn't even really get much run, and I thought he was going to do a lot for them, honestly. So, yeah, I definitely agree that their offense still has some ceiling in the past game. But uh, it's hard to be optimistic with how late Cali Manis was on <laughs> every single throw. Yeah.
0: I agree. Another dog that I like, I bet Appalachian State, plus 18. uh, Berger out with a finger injury. I'm not really sure that that's worth three points to the opener. UNC opener around 15. It's now plus 18. Aguilar, Juco transfer, big guy. He came in, didn't miss a beat against Gardner-Webb. Granted, it's Gardner-Webb. I just think UNC maybe a little too much... uh, overreaction to the South Carolina win South Carolina new OC Loggins. Uh, We know their offensive line is terrible. I mean, they finished with negative 0. 0.02 yards per carry. So UNC rightfully deserves a boost. I just don't know if, you know, covering as a two and a half point favorite on a neutral against a like pseudo rival is a lot different than playing an app state team where you need a win by three touchdowns. Granted app state last year, uh, this was like a top 20 offensive line in the country. They returned three guys. Uh, They were top 20 in tackles for loss line yards. They returned their top three receivers and Noel who averaged nearly seven yards a carry. I, I know UNC's explosive and they have Drake may, but remember just last year, this uh, game was like 64, 61 UNC won in a crazy game where they closed as an underdog. I know different people in place necessarily, but I just think app state is a, big dog like this where they could really play keep away from unc uh this is exactly the type of spot i want to fade the tar heels uh so yeah i played some app state uh plus 18
1: yeah not much of an opinion for me here on this one i uh still trying to figure out what i think about north carolina's defensive line and i want to believe what i saw but at this on Saturday, but at the same time, we all knew South Carolina had a bunch of turnstiles on their, you know, line of scrimmage. And now they're at the point. I think they're playing three freshmen. That's awesome with the Georgia next week. <laughs> 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 yeah, but on that, I, I can see someone wanting to be on the dog. But uh, nothing for me. I mean, I'm going to the ball's going to be running a lot. They don't, you know. They don't spread it out and get crazy with it passing-wise. It's more, you know, traditional. Uh, you said you saw some aur How did he look? I, honestly, I just watched the YouTube
0: highlights, and he completed 85% of his passing. He played Gardner-Webb, so it's not much to, you know, take yeah, but like, from they, the game team.
1: Was he throwing sideways, or they actually moving the ball downfield? Like, what was it looking like, like, conceptually?
0: Yeah, a little bit of both. They ripped off a few chunk plays. I mean, uh, oh. what where did the he had there was one massive one that he ripped off. I think he, he completed what was it? Uh App State Gardner Webb it was just as long as like, they're
1: taking shots and not doing like the Chase Bryce like man, those Chase Bryce days were rough. I, I can't believe how well App State graded,
0: given how bad I thought Chase Bryce was. Like App State for most of last year was like an
1: above average offense. Yeah, they hit a bunch of explosive plays, I feel like, but.
0: Yeah, that's. I think App State could hit enough chunk plays in this one, especially on the ground and really play keep away. Like, I think Sean Clark, I think he's a pretty damn good coach. So I think hit get the ground game going, put UNC on their heels. And pun intended there. App State, 9.38 yards per drop back. Um, Aguilar was 11 for 13, 174 yards and four touchdowns. So I think any, he, he's also, he can move to, he's like six, three, two, four. He looked big back there. So I think maybe he
1: can make some plays. Um, yeah. That'll be one that I have to check out because I want to see my thesis that maybe UNC is not a sieve is correct. And uh, you know, gotta have my pulse on the sun Belt with all this uh, Texas state positions <laughs> built up.
0: Uh, another one I played, I have two more. Uh let me just make sure. Yeah, Michigan UNLV played the over. I like played, that. I played 57 and a half. Want to grab it before 58. Uh UNLV's new offense with the new offensive coordinator Marion. I they hit I know they played Brian and now they're playing Michigan, but um they were explosive. They were playing fast as shit. They averaged, I think, the highest plays per minute in the entire country last week. Average eight yards a carry. I mean, they really were moving the ball. But the defense was terrible. And the defense was bad last year. And uh, Odom has his work cut out for him. I know they only allowed 14 points, but Brian moved the ball up and down the field. I think, especially with UNLV, one- Bryant got
1: more of their available yards than
0: yeah. UNLV.
1: And yet UNLV scored
0: 44 points. Um, I think UNLV's defense is going to get absolutely pushed around here. Oh. And I think Michigan, uh, with yeah. UNLV's pace- michigan's gonna get a few extra drives than it probably would against like east carolina last week i don't know how many drives that they, they finished with but you could expect a few extra ones or a few extra plays because of unlv's frenetic pace i mean this was unlv defense outside the top 100 in line yards and outside the top 100 in explosive pass right so i think JJ's gonna get what he wants edwards and quorum are gonna eat they're gonna push through 40 with ease but i think unlv can maybe hit a few chunk plays themselves and get into the end zone once, hopefully twice for uh, my overshake, but 57 and a half. If they score I, two,
1: I, two, that's going over for yeah. sure.
0: I, I think UNLV has enough athletes and a veteran quarterback. Like like you, East Carolina, I'm not surprised they didn't score given the state of their offense. UNLV's offense, there's a few more guys there that can maybe open this up, especially if Michigan yeah, sits. has a little juice. If, if Michigan sits guys like they did last week, UNLV is going to find the end zone twice, and then the game's going to go over. I think Michigan gets into the mid to high forties and UNLV
1: double digits. I'm feeling good.
0: (laughs) Double digits is the goal there. 10, 10. I'm like, okay, I'll take that.
1: Five and a half yards to carry to Bryant. 7.72 yards of drop back. Yeah, that is horrendous.
0: Yeah, I could, I'll go like final, like 52, 14. I'll go something like that. I think. I think this. I think this game gets sideways quickly for UNLV, but they hit enough late chunk plays to make sure this one gets over.
1: Good Michigan spread game over parlay in the, any of the accounts that let you do that kind of stuff. Pro tip: there,
0: uh, another over I played, UCF Boise fifty-seven and a half. Um, that should still be available. Um, UCF Boise. Yeah, fifty-seven is pretty widely available. At the, uh, this will post Wednesday morning early, but uh, we played last week. The Washington team total over gone kind of back to the wall. I think UCF they don't have the passing game that Washington does, but that Boise secondary was as bad as I had, or worse than I thought that they would be. Replacing for their top five guys, and I mean McMillan and Adonze were just running wild downfield, and UCF has some speed in the, in the wide receiver room for sure. So I think JRP could hit a few plays, get him outside the pocket. He could kind of have the Boise defense looking a little scrambled. And on the other side, Boise's offense, little bit of bad luck uh, in the last game, tail and green, they kind of fell behind and it kind of all got away from them. But I think this game's going to be pretty competitive from the jump. I think both quarterbacks dual threat should be able to make rip off chunk plays both through the ground on the ground and through the air. Um, UCF's defense really wasn't impressive at all against Kent state. I know they covered like a five touchdown spread or whatever it was, but there were some Kent state guys open downfield that they just couldn't get the ball to. So I think Taylor green's a little bit better than that. I I like that 58 or above. I think, you know, you could see both teams break into the thirties with an up-tempo game. We know UCF likes to play fast.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that one. In theory, I, uh, not enough of an edge on my uh, own numbers to fire there but enough to be in agreement directionally the other thing with UCF they didn't get much push. neither of their lines of scrimmage look good against Kent State honestly like yeah, I had, a, I had a good amount of UCF at the uh, at post on that one and uh yeah I worry about them in the big 12 a little bit against some of the teams they're gonna face. I think they got a chance to get pushed around a little bit from what I saw against Kent.
0: Yeah, as someone who has a long shot UCF number, that wasn't like the type of game I was hoping for. But I I do think Boise's defense still getting a little overrated. I think that game should probably be on the faster side. And I think, you know, both offenses could make some plays in that one. So I'll, I'll take over 57 and a half. And then last game I want to ask you about, or two more. I'll make them quick though, but Notre Dame, NC state. I, I was leaning towards the NC state side. It's hanging out around seven and a half right now. Um, I'm just curious if Notre Dame maybe has too many athletes for NC state watching that NC state, UConn game, NC state probably should have won by more. Uh, The defense looked pretty solid, but they also looked a little slow. I mean, they're playing UConn, so it wasn't really exposed. Uh, And then, in the passing game as well. No real burners for NC state looked very Clemson like uh, NC state. So is this Notre Dame continues their ascent or NC state who did a pretty good job against Hartman in the past when he was at Wake Forest. Is that a product of the slow mesh? I think Hartman is like a six to six touchdown interception ratio. NC state won two of the three games. Was that more product of Wake system or is that a product of Hartman uh, any opinions
1: on NC State Notre Dame? Uh, this is one of the few games I honestly don't have much of an opinion on. I uh, think the total's pretty fair at 51. Uh, yeah, on the side, I really, I'm pretty in tune with the uh, number in the market. I feel like some that 9 or 10, I think somewhere it was out too, like Caesars or something, or FanDuel, one of those terrible... Uh, domestic openers, but uh, yeah, that would have been good with NC State. But at seven, seven and a half, I am probably just going to uh, spectate.
0: And then Arizona, Mississippi State, sneaky, sneaky banger. This one, Arizona, Mississippi State. I mean, look ahead market. What was this like, 17, 17 and a half? Uh, Miss State, what are we looking at? Nine total of 60. Uh, I mean, I I was hoping to get a big number with Arizona. I was hoping for—I wrote down—I was hoping for 14, but that's long gone. I—I I I think this is a little nuts. I don't know if I could get to Mississippi State because I don't know if I could trust them just yet. But this is a big—you know—inside of 10. That's a little, a little aggressive, I think.
1: Yeah, I uh, definitely in agreement with that. It's a quite the move. I'm not sure what I think about Kevin Barvey and Arnett yet, and what they're trying mm-hmm. to do offensively so that's one where I will probably be on the sidelines unless Arizona makes its way into uh some of the Saturday round robins
0: oh and I completely skipped over am Miami we didn't talk about that right no I completely skipped over that it's it because it was on top of Bama Texas on my notes and then I started with that and I completely skipped over it so Let's do A&M Miami, and then I'll let you get out of here because I've kept you over an hour. Um, I played A&M, and I played the over. I think similar. I, I think Miami's offense probably stock up, but I think A&M offense, again, granted, it's against New Mexico, but that offense looked like one that – Yeah, Pacino you still
1: saw on. what you wanted to see conceptually from them, yeah, like that, that they were going to play faster and throw more downfield. It
0: was the opposite of Clemson. That's yeah, what Texas a exactly. play calling was what you were hoping you would you see would get, as a big yeah. favorite, and they would push the ball down the field, and you know they would get Stewart involved, and they would absolutely throttle a team. Meanwhile, Clemson, the complete opposite, where they were doing exactly what went wrong last year, side-to-side throws, zero explosive plays downfield, You know, make Klubnik get happy feet back there, a lot of inside handoffs and all that didn't work. A&M, in my opinion— it seems like Jimbo has relinquished the keys. We'll see what happens if they go down against Miami. But I think this is exactly what you want to see from an AM offense. And I think when it's matched up against Miami, we'll see if the defense could keep up because this was still a defense outside the top 100 in explosive pass defense last year. We'll see how it does. I don't really grade the Miami Ohio game as much. I think AM has. Far more athletes, especially in the vertical passing game, that they could win this game by margin against Miami. In it's a negligible home field. I think Wegman's legit, and I think A&M wins this game going away. I think they're the better team.
1: I haven't done anything with the spread, but I also bet some over myself. It would have to run a little bit for me to get involved with Miami. I would probably need a touchdown. to get involved. Well, that's where the- – that's where
0: I'm a little confused. I, I know look aheads aren't like the most like efficient barometer of what the m- true market price is, but this was seven and a half
1: all summer, was it not? Yeah, I think so. Maybe some yeah, seven. Some, yeah, like seven, seven and a half. It was now. around a touchdown. Yeah.
0: And now we're at game week, and I really, really like what I saw from AM, and all of a sudden it's down to four and a half. I just, I disagree i i think AM, and this is a team i've been high on heading into the season so
1: miami definitely has the edge on i think both lines of scrimmage i will say that that's one thing even though it was miami of ohio and you can't really take too much away from it from the talent level but like reuben bain true freshman he was destroying some 23 24 yes. year old grown man for the red hawks drawing tons of holds it's they can go too deep at every spot on the defensive line if Texas A&M can hold up, though, they can sustain blocks. They're going to hit throws downfield. I mean, Miami of Ohio had that larva in. he was the only dude on their whole team, and he was getting open and catching balls, you know, 8 to 15 yards downfield. Like, I think there's plays to be made for Evan Stewart and Noah Thomas for sure for the Aggies.
0: And if – who's better suited to come back? Let's say one team goes up two scores. Who would you feel more confident in? on the other, like, coming back from behind.
1: Or to keep the scoring going, probably Miami, just because I think their offensive line can block the Aggie front better than the Aggie O-line can block the Canes D-line if they're pinning their ears back and trying to get home. And do you
0: – because I know there was, like, Tyler Van Dyke questions heading into last week. Did you think he was healthy? Like you, did you notice anything – what was it, the hand? Did you notice anything – I didn't really I they played so vanilla that it probably didn't even if he was hurt you wouldn't even notice.
1: Yeah, it was hard to tell because like they didn't do anything too, you know, beyond the normal run of the mill stuff offensively, just a bunch of four verts, screens, mesh, nothing crazy. Just you know, they did the typical air rate stuff, run fast and cycle through like four or five, six pass plays. Work. Yeah. I think we hit on
0: pretty much every big game, and I almost left out one of the biggest ones in Texas AM. Yeah.
1: Uh, Miami. Only other one I have is I took some over 391 at 68 and a half and 69 Stanford USC. Yeah, that made the account for me as well. That uh, Stanford, we love Troy Taylor's play calling. Yeah, he's the kids would call him him, I think.
0: (laughs) After losing, after sitting around the CLV bonfire with Hawaii plus 10. Watching a Troy Taylor yeah. coach up. A- oh,
1: after I got mad about all the money I lost and all the CLV I got to brag about to people I know on Twitter about. Man, they ran some. They ran fast. They were throwing the ball downfield. That they, they were using Eurosec like crazy, throwing him swing routes out of the backfield. Having that a double pass. Up- the
0: well, there was a the double pass, right? Where you out of the timeout, Eurosec downfield, and he just hauls one in.
1: Yeah, dude. then they were getting him in the backfield on linebackers. I was, I was impressed with what Troy Taylor did. they are uh, a lot of a lot of Stanford overs in the future for me for sure.
0: I think one pace was up, so I really like like that as taking a dog who's what catching over four touchdowns with a total touch in a uh, seventy. I think they're going to push this one. And, I mean, listen, Nevada scored 14 against USC. So I'm going to give Stanford – I'm going to push Stanford into the 20s. Just, like, on, like, respect alone for Troy Taylor's one-week sample size as a head coach. Um, I I see no reason why USC can't get, you know, into the 50s once – for the third straight week, um, even if the backups come in. I I think, you know, this this screams, like, mid-50s to mid-20s. And then, boom, you got – 70 plus points, I think, yeah, Stanford's play calling was very impressive. And I think Stanford's defense was Hawaii's offensive line was so terrible that it couldn't keep Shager upright. When he had like a split second, he was hitting guys downfield and Hawaii was moving the ball pretty good. So um, that game ended up, I think, sneaking over the total. It was like 37-24, depending on where you got the total. But I think – It was a sick
1: middle. It went under the open. And over the close.
0: Yeah. So I I think 69 and a half. It's high, but I played that this morning as well. Um, We'll we'll add it to the show card. Um, But, yeah, Nick, any other things you want to mention? Any other spots you're looking for this weekend? Whatever you
1: feel comfortable sharing, let me know. Uh, I think it moved today. Let me check. Oh, yeah, it got blasted. But, uh, yeah, there's no reason to give out a number that's moved that much. But Wisconsin and Washington State should be a fun watch. Yep. Yeah.
0: I, I think as a Wisconsin grad myself, uh, defense looked a step slow. But I think the offense uh, showed enough that's going to be in much better hands than uh, Graham Mertz's hands. But even if Mordecai's a little limited, I think uh, the offense, they uh, we dropped uh, – 60 plus yard touchdown pass that hit him directly in the hands. I think it was Bell, maybe. I don't know. But the offense is probably in better shape than uh, the defense at this point in time, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, uh, great show. My best bets, which I'll add to the Google sheet, which is inside the pod description you are listening to. Um, I played that is still available. All of these are minus 110. Um, I played A&M minus four and a and 45 SMU... It's now 15 and a half. That's still good. Um, Eastern Michigan plus 20 and a half app state plus 18 UCF Boise over 57 and a half Michigan UNLV over 57 and a half and USC Stanford over 69 and a half. I said, I was going to give out more bets this week after uh, the CLV bonfire of week one, but yeah, there you have it. Nick really appreciate you coming on, man. Make sure you're following him at Mr. 618 worldwide. He's a great follow. Uh, one of the sharpest in the space, so Nick, got to have you on soon, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, for sure, dude. It was cool, man. Uh, we'll have to do this again closer to conference championship time. Once like the big picture starts setting, then we can kind of, you know, get into the deep cuts of what's going to happen in the bowls in the playoff. Absolutely, I'm holding you to that now. Uh, until Thursday's Best Bet Show,
0: we'll talk to you soon. Have a good man.